Now, um, uh, this passage uh, is a little bit um, odd and unusual. It starts off uh, fairly normal with the kind of standard bit in the Bible about enduring and persevering through suffering. Uh, It kind of keeps on going and says, worship God and tell people about him. Uh, And we're fine at that point. Uh, And then it starts to get unbelievably strange. We make the jump from Jesus, um, from us telling people about Uh, Jesus, to Jesus suddenly descending into hell uh, and preaching to dead people, uh, and then a kind of weird aside uh, about Noah. Now, it's um, when you're uh, struggling, uh, trying to work out what to say, uh, you're often told to work out who in the passage uh, you can relate to the best. So uh, I kind of looked down the list and thought, well, I don't really relate that strongly to Jesus in this. I don't really get the Noah thing at all. I know, I relate most clearly to the dead people in this. Uh, This has been uh, a week of important meetings for me. I had two uh, encounters with the bishop. Now, um, being summoned to the bishop means you've either done something unbearably wrong uh, or you're about to be interrogated and interviewed by him for a whole manner of different things. Uh, I, um, I met with a bishop uh, on Tuesday, and we kind of had an interview chat conversation um, about whether they would let me pass to the next stage uh, of my training and be made, uh, be made a priest. Uh, and I thought the conversation went um, rather well. We had a, a nice conversation, kind of chatted. Uh, his questions were fine. I could just about answer them, and I thought, I have got away with it. I'm going to be allowed to be priested and enter into the next phase uh, of my life, and my career is off to a flying start. As I um, pushed open the door, uh, stepped out onto the street, uh, I looked down and saw that I'd done the whole interview with my flies open. Now, you can do um, interviews with your flies open in two different ways, I've discovered. Uh, You can do it, and your flies are a little bit open, and no one notices, and you go, oh, that's a shame. Or you can loll on the bishop's sofa with your flies gaping so that him and all of his associates can clearly see your pants. um, That was my first meeting with the bishop. My second meeting with the bishop happened on Thursday. I um, I went to the cathedral, and he read me something called the bishop's charge. I still really don't know what that was, but he did it, and it seemed to be fine. Uh, But that happened, and I I walked out uh, onto the street, out of the cathedral, and thought, I've nailed it. That was fine. I've been a mature, appropriate adult. Looked down at my trousers again (laughs) and saw that my flies were open, and he just read me the bishop's charge, releasing me to be a priest. I can't even do my flies up. I'm meant to baptize and communion people if I can't do my trousers up. In that moment, I wanted the ground to swallow me up, and I related to the dead people in this passage. (laughs) Um... This passage um, kind of ends in a slightly strange way. I don't want to get too much into the detail um, of Jesus preaching to the dead, mainly because I don't understand it. Um, But I wanted to take one thing from that, from the end of our text. Uh, Hell is an unpleasant place. Uh, It's the place where um, the darkest evil uh, resides, and Jesus goes into it, and he preaches to people. Uh, He tells them who he is and invites them into a relationship with him. Uh, Jesus is desperate to meet with people. He's desperate to meet with us this morning. Jesus is so desperate that he would go to the pits of hell to tell people about him. I don't know whether you're here this morning, uh, and church is very familiar uh, to you. You've come uh, week in, week out, um, uh, but maybe uh, you've gone a little bit stale in your faith, and you want Jesus to meet with you. Uh, If Jesus is willing to go to the pits of hell, then surely he'll come to you when you ask him this morning. If you want to meet with Jesus, he will meet with you this morning. Uh, If you uh, are new to church, if this is a strange and an unfamiliar environment, um, then as you're here, why not take the chance, take the opportunity uh, to be open to Jesus meeting with you? 
Uh, you've already written off um, all of your morning. Whatever you normally do, whether it's um, DIY or watching uh, reruns of Match of the Day, you've, you've written that off to be here this morning. Um, I hope you really enjoy your time with us. But as you've given up uh, the time and the space to be here, why not be open uh, to the possibility that Jesus might want to meet with you? Uh, the worst that happens is that nothing happens uh, and you leave uh, as you came in. Uh, or you could be open and Jesus might do something uh, in you this morning and might change the way uh, that you see the world and change the way that you see God. Jesus is so desperate uh, to meet with us that he'd go down into the pits of hell to reveal who he was. So surely he'll come to us this morning uh, to reveal who he is to us. Uh, and as Jesus is desperate uh, to meet uh, with us, he's desperate for us to tell other people about him. Uh, a passage this morning uh, says, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you, to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Uh, at the start of that uh, passage, there's um, a kind of a gentle rhythm, a kind of toing and froing between two different things. It, it starts off with worshipping God, and then there's an overflow of that worship says, now share your faith. Uh, we start off uh, by loving Jesus and recognizing uh, who he is. We say, Jesus, you are um, the best thing in my life. You're what I want uh, to live for. I'll take all of my values. I'll follow you for the rest of my life. Uh, and from that place of worship, uh, it's an instinctive, intuitive reaction to then share our faith with other people. Uh, sharing faith comes from a place of worship where we say, Jesus, you are full of grace uh, and goodness and kindness, and I can't not tell people about you. Uh, it's a bit like um, shaking up a, a bottle of champagne or Prosecco if you're cheap, uh, and as you shake it, uh, the cork pops open and flows out. Uh, it should be instinctive and intuitive, an overflow of ourselves out into the world around us. Now, sometimes we, um, we don't talk about Jesus when we uh, have the opportunity because we're uh, embarrassed or we're, we're worried that people might reject us or they might disagree and disapprove with us. Uh, if you find yourself uh, in a conversation or a relationship or a friendship where there's a space uh, to talk about Jesus uh, and you find yourself shrinking back, that's your cue to check yourself, uh, to examine yourself. Are you, are you more concerned about people's uh, disapproval and their embarrassment and rejection uh, than you are excited to tell people about who Jesus is? Uh, are you more worried uh, that people might um, disagree with you, then you are motivated by love for God and the need to make him known to the rest of the world. If you find yourself shrinking back from the chance to talk about Jesus in conversations where there's a clear opening to, I invite you to come and bring that in worship to God. I am... Um, I, uh, I had my haircut maybe five weeks ago. When I have my haircut, I always try and um, get it cut by the same uh, hairdresser. He's called Jordan, and he's an apprentice hairdresser, which means that I get 10 pounds off my haircut every time, which is very nice. Um, uh, me and Jordan, um, we, we chat about different things. Uh, we, um, we talk about keeping fit, and he goes to the gym a lot, so I feign interest in that. Um, and we talk about um, normal kind of hairdressing rubbish, like uh, holidays and nights out, all that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, the last time I, uh, I had my hair cut uh, by Jordan, um, he said, Do you, have you seen those big uh, banners on the bus? Uh, those big try praying banners on the bus? And I thought, oh gosh, this is my opening. And I, um, I, I explained what the banners were about. And I said, yeah, this is, I think, did it come from us? Was that us? No? I claim credit for it. So <laughs> I said, <laughs> he doesn't care. He's not here, is he? He doesn't mind. I thought it was the previous curate. No? 
Kind of. Ah, oh, I felt loads of pressure thinking that curates have to leave with a big poster campaign on buses. <laughs> we could try like an ad campaign based on me if we want, but it's not going to work. But I, that was weird. I, um, I explained a little bit about what the try praying was, and then um, the conversation just felt kind of quiet and silent. And I went, I went and kind of became a bit awkward and reserved, and I didn't talk really very much about um, what praying could be. I didn't, um, there was a space in that conversation, uh, and I could have said, uh, what do you think uh, praying is? What, what would it mean for you to pray? Have you ever tried praying? What's your experience of that? And then maybe from there, talk about uh, my prayer life and the difference that Jesus makes to me. Uh, sharing your faith is as much about asking good questions as it is about knowing the right answers. There was a space in that conversation, uh, and I pulled back from it. I was more concerned that my hairdresser might reject me, that he might um, think I was a fool, that I would be embarrassed or disapproved of. I allowed that voice to become louder than my love for Jesus in that moment, uh, to be louder than my concern for him, that he would know Jesus and have his life changed forever. That became uh, a quiet voice, and I was embarrassed. Maybe you relate to that. Maybe uh, at home or at work or at school or at university, there are moments uh, where you have a space to talk about Jesus and you shrink back. The invitation this morning is to bring that in worship, to revere Jesus uh, and talk about him. A passage says, uh, revere uh, Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you, to give the reason for the hope that you have. So we're called uh, to love and to worship God, and from that love and worship to tell people uh, about Jesus. And I used to take this passage, uh, the charge to know the reason for the hope that you have, uh, as my cue to work out what the top 10 objections to the Christian faith were, uh, and to kind of store the appropriate answers to them on my kind of mental shelf, so that when I was in a conversation, so I object uh, to the Christian faith on the basis of evolution, I could pull the right can down from the shelf uh, and give them the appropriate answer. Uh, I, used to, um, I used to get really disheartened by thinking that I will never be able to give all these eloquent answers that I feel like I need to help share my faith. Some people are really good at holding logical um, ideas in their head and kind of spilling them out. That's not really how I work and live my life. Uh, but this passage isn't telling us to do that. Often we try and learn the, the right answer and the right response, and there's some merit in that. But this passage says, uh, know the reason that you have for the hope. Know your reason. Why is it that you're here this morning? If you know and love Jesus, why is it that you know and love him? What's the reason for that? What is it about Jesus that you find utterly captivating and fascinating? What is it about him that's, that's captured your heart and your mind that means that you'll come to church on a Sunday, you'll go to whatever you do in the midweek, and you'll wake up and go to work, and you'll choose to put Jesus first? What is it that's caught your attention, that's captivated you? I, um, I used to think that we should uh, leave talking about Jesus uh, and sharing faith uh, to a few um, kind of crack experts. I thought that we should leave it uh, to people who had incredible stories and incredible testimonies to tell. Uh, of people who were once uh, incredibly uh, broken and lost and came from a really messed up background, uh, and Jesus suddenly changed that situation. I thought we should save it for the people who had uh, incredible testimonies. But this passage reminds us today uh, that you don't have to have a compelling testimony because you do have a compelling reason. 
You don't have to have a compelling testimony of this is the moment where God changed my whole life, but you do have a compelling reason. Your reason's compelling because that's the thing that drew you to Jesus in the first place and keeps you here. What was the thing that fascinated you about Jesus? What was it that you first loved about him? Uh, Because the thing that brought you here and keeps you here can bring other people and keep them here. What's the compelling reason that you have? Why is it that you love Jesus? Why is it that you want to follow Jesus? If you're here this morning and church uh, is different and strange for you, then ask Jesus uh, to meet with you. Ask him uh, what the fuss is about, why we want to follow him, why Katie and Jess and Annie uh, all choose to follow Jesus today. What's the compelling reason? My reason uh, is that when I met with Jesus, uh, I met someone who loves me more perfectly uh, than anyone ever has or ever will do. It's a love without judgment or condemnation. Uh, It's a love that sets me free and inspires me to live differently. Uh, Not a bully who forces me to follow the rules, uh, but a God who loves me and sets me free. Uh, His love takes away every insecurity I used to have because now the creator of the universe is for me uh, and nothing can compare. I used to spend uh, lots of my time uh, feeling insecure and trying to uh, win people's approval. And that's what I based uh, lots of my life and energy around. But then I um, I met Jesus uh, and I realized that God loves me and cares for me uh, more than anyone else ever could. And there are no strings attached. Uh, Jesus isn't trying to give me uh, lots of rules and a book to live up to, but he's setting me free into a relationship of love with him where I'm released to live differently. And I don't have to earn his approval because I already have it. When um, Katie and Annie uh, and Jess get baptized later on, uh, they're giving us their reason for faith. If you, um, if you read their testimonies in the notice sheet, each one will give you a different reason for following Jesus. Uh, For Annie, her story was marked uh, by realizing that she needed to encounter the forgiveness and the kindness of God. Uh, Katie's reason is that she's known the friendship and the kindness of Jesus through difficult times. I um, I want to read part of Jess's out to you. God has always worked in me, uh, in my life, through people, through loving friendships and community. Getting baptized today means that almost everyone who's played a part in my coming to faith is here. What matters is that I'm sharing my faith and all that it means to me and those I love the most. That I'm entering into a life filled with hope that is cemented in God's promises. That I'm living out all he has planned for me, knowing there are still even greater things to come. God is giving me the most beautiful life and in return, I'm giving the rest of my life to him. I'm living out of all he has planned for me, knowing that there are still even greater things to come. God is giving me the most beautiful life and in return, I'm giving the rest of my life to him. That's a compelling reason to follow Jesus. What's your reason? What's the reason that Jesus is reminding you of and releasing in you so that you can share it whenever there's space in that conversation? All of our reasons, all of our reasons for following Jesus uh, find at least part uh, of their home in the middle uh, of our passage today. It says that for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. Uh, We've all made mistakes. 
We've all done things that we regret and hurt others when we didn't uh, mean to. And because of those mistakes, uh, we've built uh, barriers in between us and God, and we've hardened our hearts towards him. And that barrier uh, needed and needs to be taken down. And because God is eternally just, there was a punishment that needed to be handed out. Because of Jesus' great love for us, God came to earth in the form of a man, Jesus, and took the punishment himself so that we could be in relationship with him. It's that story, that story of Jesus coming down and walking amongst us, of making a relationship with God possible, of taking away the cost and the consequence of all the wrongs that we've done. It's that story that's at the center of all of our reasons for following Jesus. Whatever it is, Jesus is at the middle of your reason. So the passage this morning tells us that Jesus uh, descended into hell, uh, into the vilest, uh, evilest place. And if Jesus is willing to go there to meet with us, surely he'll come to us this morning. Uh, Whether you know him or not, whether you've written yourself off or not, Jesus is desperate to meet with you. Uh, And that as Jesus is desperate to meet with us, he's desperate for us to tell others uh, about him too. He's desperate that we would uh, worship him. And as we worship him, uh, we regain perspective and the voices uh, of embarrassment and discouragement are the things that would try and uh, make us silent. Those voices get quiet uh, as we love uh, the world like Jesus loves it and so talk about him. And as we talk about him, we're not called to have um, every answer or a compelling testimony because we have a compelling reason for following Jesus. The thing that brought you here The thing that keeps you here uh, is strong enough to bring other people and it will resonate with them uh, and make them interested in following Jesus as well. And all of our reasons, all of our stories find themselves home in Jesus coming down to earth and being made known amongst us. Amen.